Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. It's good. It's good to be with you. Uh, we, we are in week number two of this sermon series that we, we entitled Wild Thing. And uh, if you weren't here last week, I said it is it based it, it, from the story of John the Baptist in the, in the New Testament. When I was reading through that story, we'll get to him in a few weeks, I, I just was reminded of all of the kind of the off-the-wall characters, especially men in the Bible. So I started going back through the Bible and just studying different guys that I told you last week, guys that probably had mullets, guys that drove big dualies, guys that were wranglers, you know what I'm talking about? Like like hillbilly guys, like like guys guys, like guys that are not like me at all, right? Like and so like just different different guys, right? And so uh, we talked last week about a prophet named Elijah, and I shared his story and it was a pretty pretty confrontational in your face message. The point of the message is if you're going to follow Jesus, follow him. If you're not going to follow him, don't follow him. But figure out what you're going to do and do it, right? Go, go all in. This is a really, I'm going to tell you again, really stupid club. It is freezing outside. There is nothing more important if you don't follow, love Jesus and follow God for you to be doing right now than sleeping, right? Like you should be in bed. But if you're going to follow the Lord, give him your heart, give him your soul, give him everything that you have. And so that's where we started last week. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about my favorite character in scripture uh, when I was a kid, Samson. If you never read the story of Samson, come next week. And so, uh, but today I want to deal with what, what I think is one of the most controversial stories, relationships and marriages in the, in the Bible. Like it is, it is crazy what, what God asked this guy to do. So we're going to talk about a man named Hosea and his wife's name is Gomer. There's some names that you just can't, you can't forget, right? There's some things you just can't unsee and there's names. If you, like you meet, I meet people all the time, like, yeah, my name's Billy or Jack or, you know, Sunshine or something like that. You just forget those names. But like, you meet a Gomer, you remember, you remember Gomer, right? And so her name is, is Gomer. And I want you to understand. So Hosea is a, is an Old Testament prophet. And let me give you a little background of, of what that means. So 760 years before Jesus would, would come to the earth, Hosea was living, right? And we're introduced to him in his book uh, in a time of unprecedented prosperity. And so uh, they, they, the country is, everything's working. People are making good money. Gas prices are low. Uh, they're enjoying their kings, right? Like they're, they're able to go on vacations. They, 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 they have big houses. They are very successful and, and what happened in the, 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 the culture, in the history, is anytime they got success, nothing ruins like success. I told you this last week. They would take their eyes off of God. So God rescued them from Egypt. They were slaves. He gave them the promised land. They won wars they shouldn't win. They got land they didn't buy. Uh, and, and they found success. And anytime they were successful, their hearts, their focus, their attention would wander away from, the God, from God. If you ask me, what is your number one fear of the church coming out of post-pandemic, it's that we would go back to what we were pre-pandemic. We had, we had success. We went on vacations. We had, we had freedom. We didn't have to wear masks. We weren't afraid of a, of a virus or a disease. Like We were different people. Yet as a church, as a whole, in America, very, very little focus. Nobody really knew why we came to church. It was very me-centered. 
And a lot of people didn't come. The average church person comes about twice a month. Then we couldn't come, and everybody got their feathers all rustled and was like, we're going to church. And it was the greatest year, the last six, seven months. Some of you were here. You started in July with us. It was the greatest six or seven months we have ever had as a church. My fear is I don't want to go back to normal. I don't want us to get successful, stuff to go back to normal in our country, and all of a sudden, we've lost focus, but that's human nature, right? Nothing ruins like success. Nothing ruins marriages. Nothing causes addicts to go back to their addiction. Nothing ruins like being successful, right? And so they're successful in their hearts. They wander away from their God. They get focused on the wrong things. So God would call prophets from time to time, and sometimes he would give them a message to speak with their mouth. And sometimes he would give them a message to live out in their life. And you, you can read different illustrations and examples of this. And this is one of the greatest ones. And, and here, here's, here's the whole point of, of the story before I share it. What do you do when God saves you, he cleans you up, he sets you free, and then you go back to your old way of life? What, what, is, what, is, what do you do in that situation? In, in, many, in many areas, if you're an addict, you would call this, what do you do when you relapse? right? I've, I've, we have a lot of people that have come from addiction or struggling with addiction or walking through it in our church. I love it. I love that, they, that people feel comfortable from all walks of life. One of the most painful parts for me as a pastor is I watch somebody come from addiction, have their life put back together, seem like they're going down the right path. And too many times in my life, I've stood over a casket and buried somebody that relapsed. And oftentimes it wasn't, it wasn't one time. Sometimes it is just one time. Oftentimes it's baby steps back where then shame sets in and, and, and fear sets in. And I can't go back to God because he already changed me and cleaned me up and set me free. And now I've wandered away from him. I've relapsed. What do I do? How does God act when, I, when I'm saved, I'm cleaned up, and then I, I mess up again? And here's a newsflash for you. All of us will be in this situation. The Bible says everyone falls short of the glory of God. We aren't perfect people. You're not, if you're here today, you've never been to church, you're not sitting around a bunch of perfect people. I could tell you some stories about the people that you're sitting by right now. Some of you are wondering if this is applicable. This is applicable both here to myself and those listening in Montgomeryville and every person. What do you do when you relapse? To which God is going to walk walk us through this this story of Hosea and Gomer. The Bible says in Hosea chapter 1, The word of the Lord came to Hosea, son of Buri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, sons of Johash, king of Israel. So these kings, what you need to remember, they're all successful. Israel, Judah, they have success. That's, that's what he's trying to tell us. When the Lord begins to speak to Hosea, here's what he says. He says, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. Most, most theologians believe this is a prostitute. Go marry a prostitute and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he's going to work this, this understanding. So he married Gomer, daughter of the blame. He marries Gomer, daughter of the blame. If you keep reading in, in Hosea chapter 1, the Bible says they get married, and they're married long enough to have three kids, right? So they're married for at least three, four, five years. They have two boys and a girl. It's perfect, right? If you have three kids, you have all boys, you're like, why God, right? 
Give me a girl. I went for the girl. I had a boy, right? I know somebody else went for, went for one girl. They had two girls in this church, and so now they have three and two. And like, you just, like, they had two boys, one girl, perfect life, picket fence. You know, this woman was, was, was promiscuous, and now she's being, she's being nurtured and taken care of by a man of God. I mean, this is a movie, amen? Like, this is, this is what you write books about. If, if you watch Lifetime or a movie, right? This is, this is our hallmark. Sorry, Lifetime hates men. A hallmark movie right <laughs> you want to watch i don't watch lifetime with you i'm always the villain in lifetime right like in a hallmark this is hallmark right like you married this woman and you you took her in and she had history and people were judging you and looking at you how can this man of god like this woman doesn't he know her past he doesn't care he loves her he cares for her they have kids together they're committed to one another and they live happily ever after that's not what the bible says the Bible says in Hosea chapter 2, if you read into it, it implies that at some point she walked away from, from Hosea. At some point, she relapsed. She went back to her old way of life. It got so bad that not only did she abandon Hosea and her kids, but she is now sleeping around with men and she's been impregnated multiple times. She's had multiple children outside of her marriage while she's abandoned her two boys and one girl and Hosea, the guy that treated her perfect, like the way God wanted, wants us to be treated in marriage, and she's left and she's gone back to her old way of life. And by the way, if you're wondering how this is in, 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 impacts your life or who you are in this story, because oftentimes we read the Bible, right? You ever read David and Goliath? Did you grew up in church and you were always David? You're always the hero? One pastor said one time, he said, we're not David, right? We are the soldiers that were hiding and terrified of Goliath. David is Jesus, moron. Like, you're not David, right? And your problems aren't Goliath. Jesus is David, right? Jesus is the star. Sorry about that. Jesus is the star of the show, right? So if you're reading this story and you are placing yourself in the role of Hosea, you're wrong. You are Gomer. I don't want to offend you. But the point of this story is me and you, we're Gomer. We find Christ, he cleans us up, he saves us, he treats us. The Bible says he's like the groom, we're like the bride. He treats us, he, he commits to us, he gives us a good life, he, he's with us, he never leaves us. Yet many of us, all of us from time to time, turn our back from him. We lose focus, we go back to the things that, that have hurt us, we fail time and time and time again. The Bible says it gets so bad in verse number, chapter 2, verse number 7, that she chased after her lovers. She couldn't catch them. She looked for them, but she couldn't find them. We, we get this. That's why we're so stressed. We have so much anxiety, even after we come to Christ. The Bible talks about perfect peace. You know how many Christians I meet that have perfect peace? Zero. We're stressed out all the time. You know how many Christians I meet that have anxiety? You know how many Christians I meet? The Bible says, don't worry. Every, almost every, you can look, you can basically open the Bible up. If you had a paperback Bible and you just opened up any page, on one of those pages, it probably says, don't worry. You know how many Christians I meet that worry over everything? We spent all 2020 worrying, especially the last half, right? Worry, 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 worry. We, we look, but we don't find. So the question is, how does God respond when we relapse? How does God respond when we fall short? How does God respond when we let him down? Well, let me just give you one thought. You can't let God down because you were never holding him up in the first place. You can't let God down in your life 
because that's not how it works. You don't send God up some love and he sends you down some love. God came to you. He loves you. He loves you fully. He loves you completely. He loves you at your worst. He loves you at your best. He loves you when you're down. He loves you when you're up. He loves you when you succeed. He loves you when you fail. He loves you. How does the Bible say that he responds? Well, the Bible says in Hosea chapter 2, verse number 14, that God tells him to go and allure your wife. I don't know what that means, but go to her. You're going to lead her into the wilderness, the dry place, but in the wilderness, you're going to do what? You're going to speak tenderly to her. I'm a guy, I don't really want to want that, right? But, but, but the picture is, the picture is when, when, when you're in trouble and you think that you let God down and you're worried about how he's going to respond in your wilderness, in your dry place, the Bible lets us know he's going to speak kindly to us. Some of you just, that's all you need to get from this message. Because some of you are holding something right now. You messed up and you messed up and you messed up and you're dealing with shame and embarrassment and you're holding it and you're afraid of God's reaction to you and God is not going to treat you meanly. He's not going to yell at you. He's not going to be angry with you. He's going to speak tenderly if you want to say that. I don't know, guy, I'm like, I don't know what that means, right? He's going to be kind. Then it says this, I love this, in verse number 15, it says, there I'll give her back her vineyards and I'll make the valley of Akor a door of hope. That word Akor in Hebrew means trouble. I'll make the valley of trouble the doorway to hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth and as in the days she came up out of Egypt. One pastor said, he said, he said we enjoy God in the mountaintops. It's really cool, but he says we get to know him in the valleys. We, we get to know him when we go through difficulty. That's when you really see the love of God. And I guess I want to talk to you about this because it kind of piggybacks on last week. Because last week I said, go all in. But it's really hard to go all in when you're not confident in the love that somebody has for you. Like I remember when I was, when I was 20, I was dating my, my wife. We've been together almost over 20 years now, right? I'm 41. We've been married 19 years. And so I remember when we were dating her, and I was not the person that I am today. And by that, I mean I was, I was pretty flawed, right? I was 19, and I just thought love would get us through. And so I remember I had a 1994 Volkswagen Jetta. I hadn't paid the car payment on it for four months. I was in college. We were going on dates. You know, I didn't know what would happen. I didn't care about my credit score, right? So I was paying my bills, and I was going to classes. I told you this story before, but I was skipping a lot of my classes because I was just living on love. And we got engaged. I got a, I got a ring from Zales or something like that, and we got engaged. And so uh, I'm working on that, by the way. I'm going to get a better ring in a couple years, but I got a ring from Zales. And we got engaged. We were going to get married. It was Bible college. Everything is, is, is quicker in Bible college. We got dated. We got engaged. We we're going to get married. We we're going to be in Bible college. Love was going to lead us. I wasn't paying my bills. wasn't going to class. had no plan on graduating, right? I was on the Tommy Boy path. Remember the movie Tommy Boy? I was on the eight-year path of Bible college, right? And we were going to get married, and, and the, the whole thing kind of fell apart, you know? Not all the way apart, but it, it fell apart to the point where it was like, we should we should probably slow this roll, right? Like we should, we should probably figure out if you're going to be able to pay bills and you're going to be able to hold a job down and you're going to be able to be a husband and if you're ready. And so I remember we had these really difficult conversations where the truth is looking back, if it was my daughter, I would have been like, you need to dump him. <laughs> dump, dump him, right? Like if he can't pay bills and go to class, he's not going to be able to hold a job down. But, but she, saw, and, and, and she saw something different. Now, I want to be careful. Some of you are dating somebody. You're like, that's what I've been telling. I would just see something different, right? <laughs> I want to be careful you don't take this out of context. She gave me an ultimatum, right? She saw something in me, but she said, my mom and dad said, you need to go to work. You need to pay your bills. You need to 
graduate, you need to do all these things. Then we can talk about getting married, but she still stuck with me. So something was built in us in that moment, right? Confidence was built in her. Like, this is a girl that will fight with me through my, my flaws. And I guess what I'm trying to say is when you understand the love of God and you understand that he'll fight with you, that he won't leave you when you're at the bottom, that he'll fight for you, then you begin to, to develop that confidence that enables you to fully follow him. So I guess last week we focused on you, right? And this week I want to focus on God because I think that's actually better. What I want to do is I want to focus on the love of, love of God for you and for me both here in Montgomeryville and online, just for the next few moments. Because some of you, you're, you're, you're Gomer in this situation. And man, you've messed up. You've, you've fallen short. You've gone back. You've relapsed. You had it well. And you went back and you took another drink and you made excuses. And all of a sudden, one drink turned into a problem where you're hiding stuff in, in your bed right now. And you don't want anybody to find out. Or you went back and started looking at those things that, those things that you shouldn't have been looking at. And you stopped for a long time and you were good and you've You've fallen, and man, you're ashamed, and, and you know what I'm saying. Like, we're all in those situations from time to time, and, and we don't really know how to respond, and so we should just see how God, should, how, how he responds. And how he responds to us will build confidence in how, he, how we can respond to him. So let me just give you a couple thoughts. Number one is this, God's love for you, God's love for you. God's love for you is greater than any truth about you right now. God's love for you is greater than any current, so you can name your truth. I'm an addict, you know, I can't stop lusting, I can't stop lying, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm promiscuous, and we'll say stuff like this, that's who I am, and I, I'm just of the belief that, that you should never box somebody in, that you shouldn't say stuff like, once a prostitute, always a prostitute, or once an addict, always an addict or once a horrible spouse, you're always going to be a horrible spouse or it's always going to be like this or there is no turning back from this and it's over. And you know why I say that? Because think about Gomer. I mean, she didn't just go out and have an affair. She made a separate family. She, she had babies with men that weren't Hosea. So for her to get back together with Hosea, not only is Hosea going to take her back in her filth and in her shame, now he's going to have to be responsible for kids that he didn't make. Every time he would look at those kids, he would be reminded of a wife that wasn't faithful to him. How do you fix that? And what's true of her in this moment is pretty big truths. She messed up. She's flawed. She did some really horrible things in her life, but I am just of the belief, and I believe when we sing that powerful God song, I'm just of the belief in the power of God to change somebody's life. I'm just of the belief that is what, what's true about you right now doesn't have to be true about you tomorrow in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm just of the belief that God's love for you is bigger than the biggest mistakes that you've made. There's nothing that's true about you that can't be made right in the presence, in the power of God. There's nothing. Think about your kids. They get this. If you're doing it right, they understand this. Like my, my, my son Harrison, he's, he's seven and he doesn't wake up and ever worry about his mistakes, right? He just makes them, right? All the time. Sometimes I'm like, when, when does this stop, right? Like when, when do we stop ruining stuff and when do we stop doing this? And so I have Harrison and I also got a dog in 2020. Don't ask me why. I might not have him in a couple of weeks, but I have a dog right now, right? 
And I added to the chaos of my house. I don't know why. It's like having a, a fourth kid. Like, and so I have this dog and I have Harrison. And they're basically the same age because Harrison's seven and he's a year old. So he's seven as well. So I have two seven-year-olds in my house and they just, they're just bad, right? <laughs> and neither of them worry about my love for them ever though. Ever. Like, let me give you some examples. Like my, my, my dog, he, he, he's seven and he gets into things. And so if we leave the doors open in our rooms, he makes it a habit of getting on our beds and chewing our comforters. You walk in and all the fluff will be out of the comforter, right? And all over the room. And so I have a rule in my house. It's really simple. Stay out of my bedroom. Don't even look at the door. I don't care if somebody else is in the bathroom upstairs. You don't touch my bathroom, right? There's no coming back. When your boys use your bathroom, there is no coming back from that foulness. You guys know what I'm saying? It's in there. It gets into the tile. So I'm like, don't even look at my bathroom. Don't touch my combs. Don't open my door. Don't knock and say hi to me in the morning. If the door's closed, don't come in, right? And so like I've been, I'm, I'm going to lock the door. And, and, and the reason is because they leave it open. I've had dog, the dog go in, take toilet paper off, rip toilet paper thing off the wall, chew my comforter, get my shoes, make a mess in my room. I don't want you in my room. And so don't go in my room. And, and, and so a few, few weeks ago or a few days ago, actually some, somebody left the door up and he got in and tore, tore my side of the comforter up, took the fluff out everywhere. It's cold now, right? And so I'm sleeping, I'm freezing, I'm stuffing the stuff back in the comforter and I'm mad and I'm like, I'm getting on, I got on Amazon the other day and I'm like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a new comforter. And I'm going to put it on my room, and I'm going to make sure, no, so I, no, no lie, two days ago, this new comforter, it's nice and white because the dog hasn't been on it, Harrison, I put this nice comforter on the room, and I looked at it, I'm like, do not ever again in the history of your life, of your grandkids, of your kid, don't ever even look at my room again. I showed him this white comforter, I took the trooper, I said, don't ever come in my room again, I want to help somebody move yesterday. And I get a call from my wife, and she said, something happened. I already knew. I'm like, what happened? She's like, our comforter's ruined. I was like, I had it one night. It was like I put a, a target. Here's your target. Harrison and Trooper come ruin it, right? He didn't chew. He didn't have time. You know what he did? I got a bunch of mulch dumped in my, in my, in my driveway because I thought it was May. And I thought I would do mulch because it was Memorial Day weekend. And it was soaking wet. And my dog came sprinting out, jumped right in the mulch, right? All of his paws got on the mulch. Nobody wiped his feet off, came running up the stairs, jumped on my new white bedspread because nobody closed the door. And he got dirt all over the entire white. <laughs> I got home three hours later. Do you think Harrison or my dog were thinking to myself, hmm, I wonder if this is it. I wonder if this is the time dad stops loving us. Dog comes up, licks me. Harrison comes up, licks me. They're, they're both. <laughs> and I just think to myself, he gets it. He, he gets it. And why do we portray our fear onto a God, listen, that loves us much deeper and much more perfect than my love for my son and my, definitely my dog? There is, there is nothing that you can do in your life. There is no mistake that is too big for the love of God. Let me just give you a few other thoughts. Number two is this. God's love for you covers the distance that you've run. God's love for you covers the distance that you've run. In the relationship, who left who? Gomer left. Hosea didn't leave. Hosea stood with her. Hosea took ridicule for her. I don't, they don't get into the details of the relationship, but I can guarantee you the other, the other prophets were like, dude, you can't marry her. I mean, people would look at them like they, and then when she left, what would they say? I told you. 
I told you that would happen. I told you she would leave you. I told you she was a promiscuous woman. I told you this, 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 this was going to transpire in your relationship. And all of a sudden, they're back to square one, so to speak. And she's run away from him. And she's far from him. And she doesn't think to herself, I should go back. And the reason is because she's, she's ashamed. I need you to understand something about, about God. God is a pursuing God. God is a God that runs after us. God is a God that even though you wander and even though you say no and even though you turn your back and even though you lose your focus, that, that, that God's love, his stamina for you is greater than your stubbornness in your life. You say no, no. Some of you are saying, how do I know God is pursuing me? Because you're here today. Somehow he got you to church and he put you in that seat and he's speaking to you about his love for you. And you're saying, how do I know God loves me? Because he set this whole thing up. God loves you. God's love for you covers the distance that you've run. Gomer runs and God says, go get her. Go, go get her. David knew this in Psalms 129. He, he, he also wandered away from God. He also relapsed, so to speak. He also fell short. The Bible says that, he says this, he says, where can I go from your spirit when I, where can I go from your presence in Psalms 139? He says, if I go to the heavens, you're there. If I'm perfect, I feel you there, which makes sense, right? He says, but if I make my bed in the depths, if I mess up, if I fall short, guess what? You're there. He goes on to say, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, either way, you're there. Your hand guides me, your right hand holds me fast. God is a pursuing God. There's no distance you can run to get away from God. I'm a little bit obsessed with my grass. There's a few things that I got problems with. One of them is my front lawn. Back lawn, I gave up on. And so I have a secret competition with all of my neighbors. They don't know it, but I do. And, and I've been there four years. I'm winning this year. Like, I'm flat out. When, when it didn't rain the last couple of weeks, I was literally, I was like, we gotta have, I was like, God, give us rain, right? I was praying. I was like Elijah praying for the rain cloud, if you ever read the Bible. And then I saw it. I'm like, there's a cloud for him. And I started playing that song by Elevation. If you're a church person, you know what I'm talking about. And so, and it rained, right? And I'm a secret, like, secret I get my yard sprayed. And so I started having a problem last year. I started noticing footprints through my front yard, but not big footprints, not little footprints, big footprints. I'm like, who's running, walking through my yard? So I put a ring, ring doorbell up on my up on my front door and I was like I gotta see what's going on make a long story short it's the Amazon people it's the UPS people it's the FedEx people all your wife's best friends right <laughs> are walking through my front door or my grass and, 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 and I noticed it and I, I was like there's a there's a driveway there's a there's a walkway it just makes, it's the American way, right? Like it just, and I noticed it. So finally I put this ring on. I was getting little, little dings and I would watch them and I'd be like, I gotta say something. I'm a pastor and I don't want to be mean. So finally I was like, but I, I spent a lot of money and time out there and I'm in a secret competition and I'm winning. And I like to, so this one guy came walking down and I just dinged and I said, I said, hey buddy. I said, I'm not trying to yell at you, but you gotta stay off my lawn. And he looked, he's like, and I'm like, I'm in the ring, man. I'm 15 minutes away. I need you to not go on my, my lawn because I'm winning this competition. You maybe won't get it, but use the sidewalk. You know, you, here's the water. In fact, it, it, just don't walk on, on my lawn, right? And I love it that it cancels out the distance between me and my house. Like, I can just see. I did, I've done it now to my, with my wife where she's walked out, and she, I don't know what she was doing, but I got the notification. I'm like, I'm going to play a trick on her. So I start breathing in the thing and making noises, and she put her face up to it like she's going to see somebody. I'm like, boo, right? Do it to my boys when they're walking out. I'll be like, you gonna do your hair like that today for school, man? You shouldn't do that, right? And like, I give them a con. Like, it's just, 
it cancels out the distance between, between me and my house. And there, listen, there is, there is nowhere you can go to get away from God's love for you. There is, no, there is nowhere. Shame will tell you to hide, right? Fear will tell you to run. They'll tell you that God doesn't love you, that he's angry at you. But you see how he responded. He responds tenderly. He responds in kindness. I need you to understand, God's love for you covers the distance that you've run in your life. That's why I love what Matthew 11 says, is come to me if you're weary and burdened. How do you get weary? You're old and you try to run. If you're weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Let me just give you one more thought. Number three, God's love for you is deeper than any hole you've dug yourself into. It's greater than any mess you've made. You can't, you can't run. There's no distance. You can get away from God's love. He just loves you. And it is deeper for you than any hole that you've dug yourself into. And some of us have dug pretty deep. Some of us have messed up. But if you read scripture, you'll notice that God, he specializes in, in rescuing people from, from the pit. Like if you read the story of Gideon in the book of Judges, he finds, he finds Gideon in, in a hole, in a cave. He's hiding. He gets Joseph while he's in prison. He gets Daniel in the, in the lion's den, right? He has a curious habit of showing up in the midst of trouble, not being absent. He has innate ability to work wonders from the pit, where we often think he finds people on the pedestal. He, he has an amazing way to love us in the midst of really deep holes that we've dug ourselves into. Remember a few years ago, we were at a, a different house in a townhouse and they were building across the street. And we found out after we lived at this townhouse that it was actually Phoenixville's dump at one point. And so we used to find glass in our yard and sometimes we would find a whole bottle, a medicine bottle. Not sure how I felt about that being in our soil, but we would find medicine bottles, right? And, and, and we would pick them up and it was kind of cool. And then they dug this big, big hole and there's people all the time going in this hole. I'm like, what are they looking for they're looking for bottles and whatever and so my son carter most i think he was four or five at the time and he kept wanting to go in the hole and so i let him one day go in the hole and you know what was at the bottom of the hole <laughs> nothing and he was just in the hole i'm like are you happy you got to go in the hole and there was nothing there and, and i think so many times that's how i like we're like we're just, I'm just gonna dig i'm just gonna find figure out i'm gonna walk away i'm make my mistakes i'm gonna dig myself into a hole and the saddest part is oftentimes you get to the bottom of the hole and there's, there's nothing there that's what it said in scripture that she's going to look for her lovers but she's not going to be able to find them she's going to want what she had with 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 Hosea, with Hosea but she's never going to get it she's in a hole she's in a pit some of you there some of you have dug yourself into the into a pit you've made so many mistakes you've gone so far and now you're at the bottom and you're wondering is there any way out and I just need you to know God's love for you is deeper than any hole you've dug yourself into. In fact, we try to measure this love, right? Like, uh, we, use, we use human tools to measure, right? Like a few, few months ago, we put up one of these LED walls in Montgomeryville, and there was four or five of us there, and there was this one moment we were trying to square up this, this, this footer wall so that we could get uh, the, the, the LED wall to sit on it straight, and, and there was four or five guys there, and what do you think started happening? Everybody started becoming the foreman. At one point, all of us had our tape measures out, and we're, we're taped, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I was loud, like, we need a picture of this. Look, we have six and seven, eight. No, I think it's about five and three, four, right? And then they're just me measuring out. And that's what we like to do. How, how much does God love us? Let's measure it out in human standards. 
Let's measure it out. The problem is, it's hard for us to put into context the love of God because it's not, it's not of this world. Like if you try to use a tape measure, the Bible says that God's love in Psalms 108 is higher than the heavens. How, how's, where's that at? I'm not a chef, but sometimes we try to measure out stuff in, in measuring cups, right? About one cup. How much does God love? It's about one cup. Well, the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. My cup does what? It runs over. That was a picture, but by the way, in ancient, in ancient Israel, when, when you went to somebody's house and they kept pouring in your cup, and they kept pouring in your cup, they were saying, I just want you here. You don't got to leave. When they stopped pouring, that meant you have to go home. So the sheer fact that the, the one shepherd would just keep pouring into the other shepherd, that was saying, I just want you to be here. I don't want you to ever leave. Sometimes you try to measure time. How many times can God love me? How many chances can God give me? How many moments of opportunity for me to repent will God give me? We want to use our watch to time that out. But the Bible says that God's love for us is from everlasting to everlasting. It's hard to even describe. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 3, he said, Man, I wish you would have the power together with all the Lord's holy people. In, in other words, if there's something I want my church to grasp, it's this, right? He says to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love of God is, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. There's not a pit you can fall into that's too deep. There's not a mess that is too messy. There's not a distance that is too far for God's love in your life. In fact, watch, what, watch how the story ends. It's so good. So I want you to picture it with me. Uh, she's living in a box somewhere. The best way I can describe this, and some of us, I've never been to Kensington in my life, uh, but my, uh, my barber is, 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 is an ex-addict, and he was actually talking to me just yesterday about it. I thought it was interesting. And he said, hey, I want to take you down to Kensington sometime to, to, to experience it to see, see the hopelessness, to, to pass out food. And I was like, I'd, I'd love to, because I can't, I can't even fathom that. It's just a few moments from where I live. He said, but you'll, you'll, see, you'll see homeless kids that their life has completely fallen apart and they're hopeless, living in boxes. You'll walk into areas where there's a bunch of people living kind of together and you'll, just, you'll see drug dealers right on the road. And it's just a place of hopelessness. It's a place that needs Jesus. So he was explaining it. And as he was explaining it, he doesn't know what I'm preaching on. Because last week he said, what are you preaching? I said, I'm going to preach on Samson, thinking he would know it. And he's like, who's Samson? I was like, dude. So I didn't even try to explain to him Gomer and Hosea. <laughs> right? And so, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. And as he's talking, I'm thinking about Gomer. I mean, she, she's not just ensign. She's in ensign. She has kids that, that are all over the place. She has three kids she's abandoned. She has men that have taken advantage of her. She's maybe had some abortions and maybe given up the kids that she should be taking care of to, to who knows where and maybe she's on drugs and she's living in a cardboard box and her life has completely fallen apart and rightfully so because of her she made the decisions and I love how God tells Hosea to respond because you can just imagine she's she's on the block uh, and she's to the point where she needs to make money to get drugs and to live. And so the Bible implies that she's now selling herself just to make ends meet. And Hosea shows up. And the Bible says that he goes to her and he loves her again. That's what, that's what God told her to do. Love her, the Bible says in Hosea 3. As the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods, 
he keeps giving them chances. So watch what it says in verse number 15. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer for a gomer and a lethic of barley. That's good. Come on. That was really good first service. He buys back the woman that's cheated on him. He brought her in. Her life was good. He protected her. He nurtured her. He gave her children and she left them and she messed up and she's on the block and she's being sold and she's broken and she's dirty and she's smelly and she's a shell of the person that she was and she hears the voice of Homer. I'll buy my wife back. Homer's Jesus or Hosea's Jesus by the way. He's standing at your life and you have been in prison to the sin that you were rescued from. You've messed up again and you've relapsed and you're ashamed and you don't even want to make eye contact with anybody and you hear the voice of Jesus. I'll take you back. God told me as I, as I was wrapping this message up, I was thinking about it. And I wonder if people were like, don't you know what kind of woman that you're marrying, Hosea? And then when she went back, don't you think they said, didn't you think that was going to happen? This is some religious person. Didn't you think that was going to happen? right because that's what religious people do they're there to does that hurt does that hurt does that hurt i told you this would happen right to which to which hosea would say yeah i knew i was what i was getting myself into and i think we need to hear that god knew when he saved you when he rescued you when he redeemed you what he was getting himself into with you he knew you were messed up he has seen your past he has seen your failures he he sees into your head. He knows what you struggle with, yet he still saves you. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. He picked you, knowing that you would be a pain in the neck for the rest of your life. Knowing that you would have issues. Knowing that you, you ever, you ever been around somebody that adopts some, a kid? And you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, they're going to have some problems when they get older because they came through, you know, through the foster system and, and the adoptive parents. Like, I know. But I love them so much that I want to I want to take care of them the Bible says you and me have been adopted into the family of God he knew we had issues he knew we had a past he knew we had some mistakes he knew we could struggle from time to time yet he still saves us and that is good news for me and he doesn't save you because you're good he saves you because he's good he didn't save you because you're perfect he saves you because he's perfect perfect love cast out fear do me a favor would you stand to your feet would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes I, I just feel like somebody needs to hear that today I've been a pastor for a while now and I've watched people succeed and fall and come back and succeed and fall and come back I've watched that I, I think I think sometimes it's even more exciting when somebody comes to church and gets their life cleaned up and then they go through some struggle where they actually get to know this 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 great love of God that saves them in their struggle again what a testimony my God comes back what confidence you can build in a God that never leaves you nor forsakes you some of you been there and you know that like you you were saved you fell off you came back and it was like it was like you never left that's the love of God and others of you wonder, I mean, you, you're, you're, you're just in it right now. And you carry around scars and shame and you've been afraid of God's response and you, you've actually, you're actually hiding it right now. The problem is you're hiding it 
from the very one who wants to relieve you of it, who wants to take it and change you. And if you would just ask him, Jesus, I just, I need you. I, I need you. I, I need a relationship with you. I need you to forgive me again. I need you to set me free again. I failed, but Jesus, I'm thankful that you don't save me because I was successful. You don't save me because of my accomplishments, because of all the good things that I've done. You save me because you're good, you're grace-filled, you're mercy-filled. There's others of you, you don't know that love today. You want it, but you don't understand it and know it. In fact, you feel it right now. The Bible says God knocks at the door of people's hearts that they would just let them in. Some of you say, how do I let God in? You just invite him. God, I want a relationship with you. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I don't want to be the boss anymore. That's all you're doing. You're transferring responsibility out of your hands into God's hands. You're living in grace and mercy. You're not worried about the future because you serve a God who's there already. You're not struggling with your past because you serve a God that's already paid for it. And he's forgiven you as far as the east is from the west. In fact, you get to live a peace-filled, grace-filled life. Embracing the present, knowing that God is in control. So maybe you're here right now and you're one of those two people. You've, you've failed and you've relapsed, so to speak, in your life and you're ashamed and, and you just keep wandering away from God because you're afraid of his reaction. His reaction is simple. Come home. Come home. I love you. I'll never stop loving you. Some of you, other, you're, you're, oh man, I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus in Montgomeryville, but I mean, I want to. I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior. And so what I want to do is I want to pray as we close. We're getting ready to leave. But man, if you would say, you're, you're talking to me. Like this is, this is my moment. Like I can feel the presence of God. He's, he's actually knocking at the door of my heart. And today I want to invite him into my life. I want to lead you in a prayer. Nobody's looking around in this moment. Oh, everybody's head is bowed and eyes are closed. But you would say, man, you're, you're speaking to me. I, I'm struggling in my shame right now. I've relapsed. I've walked away from the Lord I don't want to carry my shame. I just want to be in the presence of God. I want him to forgive me. I want him to set me free. Or maybe you're here today and you said, man, I don't know him at all. But I want this love that you're talking about in my life. I want to be set free. I want freedom. Come on, if that's you all over this house, I want to pray with you as we close. And here's what I want you to do. Nothing, nothing out of the order. I'm not going to make you come forward. I'm not going to call you out. But I just want to know if that's you. I want to pray with you as we close. I want you to do one thing for me. If you would say, hey, you're talking to me, you're talking to me, both here in Montgomery, would you just simply shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, you're talking to me. A couple hands right here, yeah. Hands, hands, lots of hands, yeah. Hand, hand, yeah, hand everywhere. Hand, yeah. Hands all over the place. Is that anybody in Montgomeryville who would say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. If you're online, maybe you would just type in the chat. He's talking to me. I just want to pray with you. And if you raise your hand, Maybe you're not a praying person. You're like, I don't know what to do next. God sees the posture of your heart, first of all. The Bible says when you humble yourself, that he'll come in. So that was the first step. Jesus, I need you. And all you're going to begin to do in this moment, you're going to say the name of Jesus. It's powerful. Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. Jesus, I want a relationship with you. And he'll do the rest. He'll do the rest. Let's begin to pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. I thank you for how you moved in this place. I thank you for the story of Gomer because that's us. We're Gomer. I thank you, Lord, that you loved her, that you brought her back, that you showed us that we could come back to you and we fall short. 
that you don't love us more when we're successful and less when we fail, that you just love us. Your love is unending, it's everlasting, it never gives up and it never leaves and we're grateful for that. I'm grateful that you've made a way for some people to return to you. They've been wandering away, but they've returned. And there's other people in this place that for the very first time, they're starting a relationship with you. Jesus, come into their life. Begin to heal the parts that need healed. Lord, begin to to give them a new mind and a new heart and new eyes. Lord, when they wake up tomorrow, Lord, they're going to be a different person than they were today. It's because of you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done in this place and all that you continue to do. Lord, we love you. We love you. We thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, church. Let's shout amen together. Let's clap together all over this house. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.